one shot getting through one of those half dozen clangs of the pipe behind Igor Shesterkin angling in instead of out. One of the two deflections off Mike Matheson's leg in front of the Pittsburgh net going the other way. And we're talking about something completely different today. Except, you know what? That's actually what I'm going to talk about. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins coming to you from New York. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Rangers 5, Penguins 2. The score's misleading. Even the series being 1-1 might be a little bit misleading. For sure, the vibe will be with New York having taken Game 2, the most recent game and the one that sticks out in your head. Obviously, human nature. But if you take these two games together, I can promise you that the foundation has been laid for the Penguins to take this series. And I'm surprised by this. If you listen to this show regularly, you know that I did not expect this team to be even competitive within this. That was before losing the number two goaltender, Casey DeSmith going down, forcing Louis Domingue in net. Before losing Ricard Raquel, before losing Brian Dumoulin, and yet here they are. Here they are continuing to either perform at an even level with the Rangers as they did for most of Game 2, and the advanced analytics show that they did pretty much match the Rangers in every category except for one, and then dominating the Rangers in Game 1. With those same analytics, the Penguins have had the upper hand. And that really shouldn't have been the case to this point. There are a lot of things that the Penguins have done well at 5-on-5 to create chances for themselves. And what's been the most encouraging about that is that it's been exactly the areas you'd want them to be exploiting against New York, meaning areas that are not fixable because they've been long-term problems for the Rangers, just like some of the ones the Rangers have found going against the Penguins. For example, net front stuff and so forth. But I am telling you, I am up here. I am around this team. I spoke with them after the game. And I got the distinct feel from them that they felt good about where they are. I asked Sidney Crosby on the record that very question. Uh, well, I think we've shown at times that, uh, you know, we can get ozone time. And obviously it's a the playoffs. There's going to be swings of momentum. They're going to get their looks and, and zone time as well. But uh, I thought in both games, you know, probably as the games went on, we probably got better. So uh, I think our starts are just, you know, they're still lacking a bit. So we've got to find a way to come out of the gates a little better, and, and hopefully uh, being at home will do that for us. Do you hear him get specific there? That's that's real. That's not uh, chins up, boys. We'll bounce back from this. There wasn't really any of that from any of these guys afterward. 
I'm going to emphasize here one more time. What they're doing isn't good enough. Special teams in particular. But both of those, power play and penalty kill, look to me like they've got rather easy fixes that can be made. And the same applies to getting more pucks behind Shesterkin. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. What do you do to fix the power play? You know, that's going to be Todd Reardon's job between now and Game 3 tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena. But I do know that Reardon has been leaning a lot of late toward backdoor passes down low. You know the kind I'm talking about, the little tip pass that Evgeny Malkin made to Brian Rust on the 5-on-3 in Game 1. I do think you're going to see the Penguins start working the puck lower and going side to side. When you're facing a truly great goaltender, and that's what Shesterkin has become in this league, you're going to have to do some east-westing to beat him. On the PK, my goodness, they've got to get a little bit more aggressive. There are some teams against which you can do a passive box and get away with it. There are some where you can't. The Rangers will go into an umbrella formation. That means somebody at center point and somebody flanking them to either side, and they'll feed either way for a shot. That is not something you can defend by staying passive, and this goes double for Brian Boyle when he's out there. Not to start boring you with X's and O's, but Boyle just plants himself in the middle of the PK box and waits to eat a puck. That's not going to work against these guys. They're going to have to distribute more evenly. Teddy Bluger, Brian Rust, Brock McGinn, get these guys on the rink. Jeff Carter, who's been a total nothing in this series, but he sure could make a difference by putting that long stick to use out there and cutting off some of those passing lanes. Boyle just lining up there to go down on one knee and block a shot as noble as it is, isn't going to work. Not against this formation that New York sends out there. So the PK can be better. Traffic in front of Shesterkin we know can be better because we saw that to great effect, I thought, in game one. I don't know when was the last time I saw the Penguins that effective at getting in front and generating Tips, deflections, going after rebounds. They did it once. They can do it again. But here's where it gets positive, I think, from the Pittsburgh perspective. A lot of things I didn't think they'd be able to do against this team, they are. They're generating a ton of five-on-five zone time. Remember, that was supposed to be an issue. How about all those odd man rushes we thought that the Rangers were going to have because they had a bunch in the regular season? How many of those have there been? Really, think about it. Yeah, right. But the biggest one, by far, has been the goaltending. No way anybody should reasonably have thought that the Penguins' number two, much less their number three, goaltender were going to be as good as they've been through these two games. 
You certainly can't knock what DeSmith and Domingue did in Game 1, to put it mildly. And in Game 2, poor Louie. Louie gives up his first three goals. Two of them were uh, shots off of Matheson, one of them which was going to be going wide. And the other two were deflections. And the fifth one is Frank Vitrano beating him cleanly coming down the right side. I mean, you can say what you want about, you know, it should stop that shot and whatever else, but it's just a beautiful goal, top corner, far post. And that guy just eats, sleeps, and breathes scoring against the Penguins. Louie was good. Louie might have been better than DeSmith would have been. But I'm not going to take this too far. I'm not going to be making any kind of predictions or anything else like that. I am going to say, though, in confidence, that this series has not played out on a lot of different fronts the way that I thought it would. And I sure didn't expect to come to New York and get the sense that I did in the garden after a loss that this team's feeling pretty good about itself. They would know why better than anyone else. When we come back, just one question. And today's J1Q comes from Bill, who asks, does Igor Shesterkin get an Oscar nomination for Best Actor in a Playoff Game? You know, it had nothing to do with the outcome in any direction. The game was already very much in New York's hands by the time that Jeff Carter got near Shesterkin. Shesterkin actually moved in front of him and then took this Weird, ugly, indecisive spill as if he couldn't figure out exactly what kind of injury he was going to fake. He made it initially seem as if his spine had been broken, so his spine kind of went a certain way. And then he just decided, you know what, I really don't know what I'm going to do here. So he ends up somehow, from his front to his backside, he's lying down. And now he's dead. And the athletic trainer comes out. And the athletic trainer, who these guys aren't stupid. They know when they're being summoned out there and when they're just part of the show. And the athletic trainer goes through the charade to the extent that he yells at one of the penguins to steer clear because of the significant medical attention that now needs to be administered. And Shesterkin is just lying there now like he's, well, dead. And the crowd's pounding the glass because the crowd's been looking for anything like the whole night. My goodness. These people, an original six franchises fan base, were all over the referees to the extreme that they booed early on when one of their players threw the puck out of play and Got a delay of game, which is a 100% automatic, no discussion call. They booed that. Now, either they don't know hockey or they were just over the top in this regard. And they were convinced that they were going to make some kind of difference. They start, ah, what an outrage. They killed Igor. And they all knew there was nothing wrong with their goalie. And the shame of it is... The officials did too, but it happens and he's lying there dead and he's going to stay there dead until there's a call made. 
So the call comes, and hilariously enough, it's a two-minute minor. Honest to God, I don't even remember what it was for. Let me see if I can find my sheet here. But it was a two-minute minor. Nah, this is game one. Hang on a second. I'll find the other one now. Jeff Carter. For roughing. What was the roughing involved? What happened there that was roughing? I mean, you could call him for interference or this or, or murder. But you call him for roughing. It just means you're just going along with it. The officials are just going along with it. So Carter gets sent off the rink, which is even more dramatic. You know, has his helmet off. Oh! After the game, there's a New York reporter in the Pittsburgh media area asking every one of the Penguins, what did you think of Jeff Carter's hit on Shesterkin? <laughs> like, when it got to Sullivan, Sullivan just kind of tilts his head and looks at the guy and goes, like, as diplomatically as only he could pull off, uh, it was a hockey play. This stuff is embarrassing. And I know it doesn't have anything to do with the outcome. I'm not pretending that it does. Okay, just hear me out because it still matters. You don't want this crap in hockey. You can have it in international soccer for whatever reasons. Fans of international soccer have found some sort of tolerance for it, have developed a callus over it that's somehow sportsmanlike to be acting and rolling around and writhing and screaming. And you don't want this crap in hockey. You just don't. And if the NHL is going to fine players for diving or embellishment, as they call it, and they do, and they also put out the names of those players in an attempt to embarrass them because that's part of the culture thing. The fine isn't going to do it. But if you start developing a relationship with the officials where they don't believe you anymore, you're not going to get legit calls. I used to talk about this in fairness here, so you don't think I'm being some kind of homer, as it related to Brandon Tanev when he was with the Penguins. I couldn't believe that he'd consistently get all these calls when a lot of them were spills. And he led the NHL in drawn penalties. Eventually, the referees figured out. The referees are human. The referees will hold that against you. And if you want to find something about everything that I'm saying in this answer here that is pertinent to this series, if I'm the Penguins, and I'm not, if I am, I'm running this guy through the wall tomorrow night because you're not going to get anything called on you after that, even if it's legit, even if one of the Penguins takes a run. I, get, I don't know who would do that on this roster, but I'm saying, I want to get back to the way you played in game one. If you want to go after this goaltender and get in his kitchen, you're going to be able to do that without drawing a penalty. Refs watch all games. Refs watch video of the games before the one they officiate in the playoffs so that they can pick up on tendencies in a series. Go get him. I'm not talking about injuring him. I'm talking about playing hockey. Go get him. You're not going to get called for it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Penguins. I'm going to be heading home 
later this morning. And uh, yeah, we'll do another one of these on Monday. 